I'm Colby Spencer, and this is Vantropolis. This is Vantropolis, a podcast about the happenings, the goings-on, and the general day-to-day life and antics of the underslept masses working in Vancouver's film industry. I'm no expert. I'm just nosy. And if you are too, let's do this. It's not often that you have an Olympian join you on your humble little podcast, so this episode of Vantropolis is a special one. Yvette Gonda is a martial artist and stunt performer in the Vancouver film industry, but that's only a part of her story. Born in Hungary, Yvette emigrated to Canada with her family when she was four years old and joined the neighborhood Taekwondo studio at age eight. Moving up the competitive ranks, she climbed the ladder quickly, from the junior national level all the way to the Olympics. Athens in 2004, Beijing in 2008, and London in 2012 as a training partner to Panama. Her last Olympic cycle was in 2016, competing for Hungary in qualifiers for Rio. After retirement from competitive sport in 2016, Yvette found her way to film. Since then, she's worked as a stunt performer on TV shows such as Siren, Arrow, Supergirl, Batwoman, and Legends of Tomorrow. We talk film fighting, stunt falls, wire work, and freediving, all elements of Yvette's life on set. And we also discuss the parallels of professional sport and stunt work in film. Yvette's humility and candor are as impressive as her rapidly growing stunt resume. And she truly was a joy to meet. Here's Yvette. Yvette, hi. Hi. Welcome to Ventropolis. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me on a Sunday of all days. Are you off for the holidays now? Or have you been working right up to or has COVID affected that? My last day was Friday, so I'm off off until the new year. Aren't, fr- aren't like last days before the holidays on set the most amazing days? With food and everything else, it's quite like it's quite a doing usually. It is, but I mean, it's I mean, I've kind of been bouncing between a couple of shows, so it's it's one of those. If I'm there, I'm there. If I'm not, I'm not. But generally, if you're stuck on one show, you do get the perks of the food trucks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess right. Well, and we'll get into that with your role. Is you're not necessarily on one show the entirety. You're hopping around. Yeah, that's correct. And how has COVID affected you just before we kind of kick everything off? How have you sort of been affected by COVID and your role on set? It definitely, obviously, film came to a 100% stop. So, it, but it was, I think I took it with a more positive outlook as a time to do all the things that I never get the time to do and just take care of my body and recover and, and just enjoy the sunshine and just do things for me and go from there. So I... I thoroughly enjoyed my break, but yeah. I was ready to come back when September hit. Like I was like getting squirrely. Yeah. And for film people, like that is the longest hiatus ever, right? Yes. For how many hours people in film work to just go to zero. I mean, I'm sure some embraced it and others were lost, right? I think it, it was a mixture just because, you know, we've never had this amount of time ever. Like I personally never taken that amount of time off and, and just... I didn't know what to do. Like my garden never looked so good. I know. And I I do wonder if it changed people as well going back this time, right? Like, you know, especially like we have a child, like, you know, parents in film of saying, you know, I don't, maybe I shouldn't be there full time. You know, maybe I can scale down a bit in order to have more balance now that I've seen what it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those, some people had made those choices and they were probably really healthy decisions. And um, yeah, but it was, it was more of the uncertainty of what, the new world's going to look like, or what is it going to be when we go back to work? What are we going to have to navigate through in terms of 
COVID procedures. And so, I mean, I think we BC has done a really good job and, you know, um, I've always felt safe on set now. And I mean, there is some challenges to it, but at the same time, I'm just happy to be back working. And we are definitely privileged in this province that overall we've done a really good job in keeping the cases down. And I think just being able to continue working in general is we're one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I joked like, you know, nothing makes money like film. So they're testing two to three times a week. Like the stakes are so yes. high. You know, I said, my husband's like the canary in the coal mine. Like if he comes home and he fails, like we're all screwed, right? Like yeah. I know right away. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's kind of like, okay, well, it's not, I mean, it's one thing to you get sick and stuff, but making that phone call and, you know, jeopardizing the team that I work with, that, yes. that's one of yeah. the, like a bigger concern. Cause you know, you know, we work as a team, we work as a unit and it would suck to have the whole stunt department go down because of, you know, you getting sick. And Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's get into that. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to talk about your stunt career, but I would love to kind of start, you know, with how you kind of got into film. And obviously yours is one of the more impressive careers. Oh, thanks. Yes. I don't seem to think um, so. <laughs> no offense to other people, but not all of you were in the Olympics before you went into the film industry. Yeah. Um, so I would love to kind of hear that journey. I think it's like really helpful for people to understand how many different ways you can find film. You know, it's not just you go to film school and you come out and that's it. Like some people fall into it. And I would love to hear how you kind of, you know, got in, how that transition was, because I, I feel like there would be a line right there from one to the other. So, but you were born in Hungary, right? I was, yeah. But you left really young. Like how old were you? I was four when my parents immigrated. Do you remember anything? No, not really. Uh, No, I just, you know, grew up as an immigrant family. And my mom always, you know, worked two, three jobs. They came without speaking English. So, you know, the the typical standard, I guess, immigration story. But, I mean, yeah, life wasn't easy as a kid. Like, you know, my parents left everything and they had good jobs back in Hungary. And they were set kind of, you know. But I think... One of the main reasons that I guess kind of my parents left was, you know, at that time, Hungary was under communism and my dad didn't want to raise a kid in that environment and that mindset. So he just basically said, it's time to leave. And that's how we ended up here. Yeah. I I grew up like in the eighties, I'm older than you, but, um, you know, a lot of my friends were second generation, um, you know, immigrants that had literally, like you say, fled, like I had Iranian friends and Slovakian friends and they left their entire apartments and houses, like said they were going on a trip and just like never went back. Yeah. You know, it was unbelievable to think of that as a kid that your friend came and just, you know, literally had the clothes on their back. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how, I mean, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a choice my parents made and I'm forever grateful for it. And, you know, there's nothing better to come back onto Canadian soil. And, you know, we do live in a very, I would say, an amazing country and it's just mm-hmm. proud to be a Canadian as always. Yeah. Awesome. I know. I always, I feel that more than ever these days, right? Yes. You know, and I did nothing to get here. Like literally, I just, I was an accident actually. So I really <laughs> did nothing to get here. <laughs> Sorry, mom, but you told me that. <laughs> well, actually, my brother used to say I was a, I what did he say? You were a mistake. And the mom goes, she was an accident. <laughs> Those are awesome. different things. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Accident versus mistake. Um, there were a lot. Of, I don't think we'd have as much population if we didn't have so many accidents, to be honest. Um, so you started. Like the COVID babies. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but actually, I heard they're, they're having less. Like people don't want to have babies right now. So it's actually going down, which I. Like, there's going to be so many interesting studies out of all of this, right? Like, it, oh, for sure. Looking yeah. back on the time, right? 
Um, yeah. So you started taking Taekwondo young, like you were eight, right? I was eight. Um, so how that all started was my parents, you know, they tried to get me into other activities as much as they could. You know, they threw me in skating, swimming, gymnastics. They kind of like threw me wherever they could. But honestly, I was one of those kids that really didn't like sports. I was kind of that wiener kid, to be honest. And I just loved to watch cartoons. And finally, one day, like my dad just had enough and he exploded. And he's like, that's it. You're going to go do something. And and then there was like, at that time, my parents were always working. So my grandmother was always taking care of me. And yeah, whatever was walking distance in the neighborhood, right. there was a Taekwondo school that opened up and they're like, done, you're going to do this. And we, they paid the annual membership because it was like grand opening special. And as an immigrant parent, you know, like... I was going to say, immigrant parents, if there's a deal, deal? it's like, we're down, <laughs> we're, we're in. You're in, you're stuck, no complaints. Like, What do you mean up. you don't know what Taekwondo is? <laughs> Too bad, there's a deal. Yeah, it's a special. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're going to know now. Yeah. And that's how Taekwondo just ended up sticking. And uh, I just, yeah, I, I just grew on me. And I just ended up being that wiener kid that went to classes twice a week. And Were there a lot of girls in the class? No, there wasn't. It was... Um, Did you notice that? Yeah, you would know. But I mean, when you go to like, there's team sports and then there's individual sports. So I found that like, I was, I just enjoyed individual sports a lot better. Right. I excelled better. I was just me. I didn't, it was, I'm not a, I don't know, the whole team, baseball, soccer thing, I'm still terrible at it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I would say it's a different profile of person. Even yeah. if you look at like a hockey team, the goalie is a different person. Yeah. Right. They're, they're, they're a bit more of a loner that way. I don't know. Any goalies, you can write in and tell me I'm wrong. But that's what I hear. It's word on the street as a Canadian in hockey. <laughs> so you were doing, so you had this year membership that you obviously couldn't quit. Um, and, and how were you liking it? Were you enjoying it? Yeah, it was good. Like, you know, you go up in your little ranks and the, the belts and, mm-hmm. and so always like the next belt's a goal. And obviously black belt is kind of one of those ooh big things. So, you know, you pluck away at it and then and so I just kept doing it for a couple of years. And then eventually like competitions came into the picture and there's different disciplines. Like one's the pattern side, which is like more of like a movements, a sequence of movements that you can compete in. And then there's also the sparring side, which is you gear up and then you just kick each other, which thinking about it now, like, I don't know what my parents were thinking of putting their <laughs> child. In she's like, she's still do- Your dad's like, she's still doing this after the year. I didn't see this coming. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so funny because my, my whole career was, you know, 16 years of just international level competitions and looking at it now from being a retired athlete. It's like, what was my parents thinking? Putting their kid into a sport that literally get satisfaction out of kicking other children in the head. Right. <laughs> it's totally mind-boggling now. But. Oh, you're, you're minimizing it, though. It's like, it's very impressive in terms of technique and mindset. And, you know, it's a very revered sport. It is, but still, like, looking back now, I don't know what my parents were thinking. They're nuts. <laughs> well, they probably became pretty proud when you started getting all these achievements, though. Yeah, I, I, I mean, my, my mom was always a really good parent and supportive but and I'd, I'd say my same as my dad but I would have to say like when they say like there's this crazy soccer mom my dad was the crazy taekwondo dad right like nothing was ever good enough like, yeah my god I came back from worlds how come you didn't win yeah <laughs> I don't know I'm like 15 I don't know <laughs> so nothing yeah like nothing was ever good enough for him yeah 
Yeah, that's and that's a lot of those dads, right? And a lot of European yeah. dads. My friends, European dads, same thing, you know. Or they all wanted boys. Like many of them wanted boys, so then they would shove their daughters into all this stuff, and the girls would be like, "Dad, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to play f- football. Like, I don't, I don't like it." It's, but the motherland, everybody played it, right? So it's like, yeah, pretty classic <laughs> totally. to watch, right? And they just have to kind of give in, like, "All right, you're not going to do this." Like I thought you were. Um, so yeah. what was your first sort of big, you know, when you were like kind of moving up the ranks, did you have a, a point in time where you realized like, wow, I'm really getting up there. Like these are some impressive career highlights now. Um, I mean, I think I was one of the lucky ones that climbed up the ladder quite quickly. Um, mm-hmm. I would say just because I was, I think, 14 or 15 when I was still on junior. Like junior at that time is like under the age of, I think, 15. But now the age ranges or the rules have changed of when you can compete in these different divisions. But I was considered a junior and I won my first national title as a junior in 2001. And by 2003, I qualified for the senior Olympic games. Wow. So like going from watching, cause Taekwondo became an Olymp- official Olympic sport in 2000. And I remember at that time we had one Canadian athlete um, competing for Canada and she ended up winning the bronze medal. Wow. And I remember watching Dominique. Her name's Dominique Bossard, and to this day, she's, she's, a, she's a great human. And so I remember watching her compete, win that medal, and then four years later, she's my teammate, and I'm, like, sharing a room with her, and I'm just like a deer in headlights, right. you know, at these Olympic Games and Pan Am Games. And, you know, that journey was, like, you know, you really don't know what's going. It's, you're kind of, like, on this train ride, just what's the next one, what's the next one, and you know, it's looking back now, it's like, yeah, I, it came really early for me and I just didn't know what to expect or how to enjoy it or how to prepare. Like it was just, just hop on that train and keep going forward as fast as you can. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny you say that because I would say there's a parallel to like youth talent in film, right? Like young people who find, you know, stardom early, um, in the, in the same sort of sense, the same sort of like remorse that they didn't, when they were in it, they didn't have the more, you know, mature mindset to be able to like appreciate it or do it, do it the way they'd wished, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So it's interesting you say that about sport that, um, you know, being young, I guess, and just achieving highly at a young age can probably feel the same across industries. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, sport teaches, you know, such great values and same thing like that you, what I gained out of sport, I, all those lessons or hardships or work ethic, you know, you, you take that on for a lifetime and you just carry those skills onto your next career. And, and I think that's where sport becomes successful. I mean, for a long time, it always, you know, you thought about, it's always about the medal. It's always about winning, but, and deep down, we all want that gold medal. But the reality is, is that what you sport really gives those skills and it's what you use with those skills that, continue on your path of, you know, your next career or your next successes, right? Well, it's funny. We'll get into that with film, but word on the street that I hear is that you, you definitely bring that, right? So you're quite, you know, you're in, you're in high demand. And I think it, you know, oh, okay. because, that, because that athletic background, you know, that you're bringing is you've already got that laser focus and work, work ethic, right? That you need as an athlete. I hope so. I'd like to think that I, you know, put a good foot, represent myself well to my community. I mean, I think that's, that's great to hear. I'm like, thank you. Yeah, I won't tell you who it is, but okay. you'll have to guess. <laughs> you'll be on set wondering who said this about you in your departments. <laughs> uh, I love hearing stuff like that, though, right? I get a little intel, and it's always like amazing intel. I'm like, oh, that's so lovely to hear. 
Okay, so as we move along here, like I don't want to focus all on the athletic stuff, even though I'm super interested in it because there's just so much of it. This is like, you start reading the resume, it's like, good Lord. And I mean, you traveled the whole world. Like, it's unbelievable at that age. You saw so much of the world. I did. I mean, I, you know, it's, you have to think about every Olympic Games or every, it's a cycle of four years. So it's kind of like when you hop on the train, it's a four-year journey. And so right. I think I was the same. Yeah, silly. right. Yeah, I think I personally think I was a stupid one that just didn't know how to quit. So I kept going for four train rides. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to do in life. I can't figure this adult business out. <laughs> oh, nobody knows what to do. Don't worry about that. That's all. Nobody knows what they're doing. And then that's how, like, I guess, like, because I was just like a, you know, starving athlete, like basically like, you know, trying to get from one tournament to another to quit to the next qualifiers. It was just constant hustle and that's how film just kind of crossed my path and fell on my lap and I think it's it, it's not that I seeked it it just happened to to kind of cross my path and that's how I so how did that happen like so you I know like 2016 you kind of say marked the end of that athletic career but you did shortly move back to Hungary did you not to represent your home um, I didn't actually move back okay I, I kind of the short version is I maxed out on the Canadian system in terms of how much funding I can get and based on criteria. So basically, right. no matter how well I did, I, you know, I, ma- I capped out. And then my, the other issue was that Canada can only send two athletes to the qualifiers. And at that time, my sister was also competing and one of my good friends. So oh, wow. do I kill my sister or do I kill a good friend of mine? Because I ain't going down. <laughs> right. Oh, those are tough so, decisions. Yeah. So basically I made the choice to just switch nations and represent, but I still trained in Canada. I just flew back for, to meet certain criteria on the hungry end, but. Okay. Got it. How did that feel? How did that feel? Like, I mean, it was crossing the mat in a way. Um, bittersweet, I think. Um, but at the same time, it was, it was really important to me that regardless, um, what the result would be at the end of the Olympic cycle, regardless if I made it to Rio or not, it was important for me to, as soon as I hopped on that train for the four-year cycle, it was important that I did it my way. It wasn't a criteria or someone in a higher position dictating my, my journey, I would say. And so it was important that I did it my way so I could retire at peace. Right. And so on your terms. On my yeah. terms, absolutely. And so I believe I did that and I had a very good positive experience. And I think it made a huge difference in that transition out of sport into now film. Yeah. You're, 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 that's an interesting little point that, that like that retirement piece, right? Like when you read books about athletes, like I read Andre Agassi's, you know, autobiography and stuff, and it starts with him playing his last game and then it ends with him playing his last game. And then the middle is his whole life and career. Yeah. But it's funny, obviously that's the most, um, it's, I don't know. I, I want to say it's like, well, you tell me, but that little moment you know, it's like it, it can, can scar you or give you peace as you move past it, right? It's it's a bit of a of a closure, and it, it you have to, to your point, have it on your own terms, or it can't be the scarring moment. Absolutely. I mean, it's when sport becomes who you are, and that's you know, it takes your whole life, like from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, you're that twenty four hour athlete. So when you're you're managing your life around the success of this one game you know, when that element or that factor gets removed out of your life, like you're kind of lost for a really long time. You don't really know who you are, or what you do, like, you know, mm-hmm. what do you do? And how old were you then? How old were you in um, 2016? Not to give away uh, your age, but um, uh, early you can 20s. use like decades. 
Well, I was in my late 20s, I think. So very young, honestly, right? Yeah, late right? 20s, like, early 30s, yeah. And sort of, quote, retired from something you'd known your whole life and you, like, hadn't even reached 30, you know? Yeah, I was about that age, but I was already at the end of my career. I knew that. Like, I was in, in our sport in Taekwondo, like, to be late 20s, pushing 30s, to be in the sport, it's, it's hard on the body. So mm-hmm. I knew it was coming to an end. So you had this lapse, let's say, or this lull in between. And what what was going through your mind then? How did you even find out about film? I think, like, at that time, I was training out in Toronto, and there was someone also in film at that time. And he's just like, oh, well, you you know, you should really consider, like, film work or stunt doubling because the body type or the height. And I didn't really think about it until it was at that last end of my career. And they're like, well, we really need somebody that could kick. And mm-hmm. And they kind of threw me into the wolves a little bit. And, and eventually, like, within, like, a short amount of time, I just ended up becoming the kicking girl, <laughs> you know? The like, kicking girl. Yeah, because that's all I knew how to do, right? You know, like, you know, I had yeah. zero set experience. I knew nothing about film. Like, it was just, all right, someone's willing to pay me to kick? Okay, this is great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... And, and it's funny you say yeah. you were thrown to the wolves because every story I hear pretty much they were thrown to the wolves. Whether you started as a PA with like a, a radio and like shoved in a gravel lot or got a call at 4 a.m. because someone didn't show up. Like I, I don't feel yeah. film is just sort of like they just push you off the edge of the cliff and then suddenly it's day one. Yeah, exactly. And and with that, you have to remember like being having that athlete mindset is just like I will do anything and everything to get from point A to B. Like, it doesn't matter what the sacrifice is, I will go and do it, right? So, well, I had nothing to lose. Yeah, it's like hard-coded into you now, right? That muscle memory. Yeah. So what was your first day on set? Like, do you remember it? Was it in Toronto or Vancouver? It was in Toronto. It was just for a small project. um, And it was, it never got picked up or anything, but it was just a fight scene. And that was my first official credit. And then it didn't work for quite a long time because it was just, you know, there was like these big gaps, but yeah. I would say Nikita, the last season of Nikita was kind of where I officially got part of the union. And then that always feels good, right? Getting in the union. Yeah. Cause it's like, okay, I have enough credits and, and then you start, your eyes start to open up and you go, okay, this is the film world and you're still like figuring it out. Mm-hmm. But that's when I kind of got my foot in the door a little bit. And how did it feel compared to being an athlete, like on set? I did, honestly, I really didn't get it. <laughs> It was like, I was like, I don't get it. How so? I'd love to hear about that. Well, no matter how trained technically I am in terms of kicking, if you can't sell it on camera, you're worthless. Right. Wow. You just summed it up so well. Yeah. But that's the reality. If, you know, if, I mean, no matter how good my kicks are, no matter how much years of experience I have, if I'm not selling it on the camera, I'm not doing my job as a stunt double or a stunt performer to be successful. So right. that was a hard learning curve for me to understand and then quickly go, oh, okay, there's like figuring out where camera is and how to sell the shots. And Yeah, it's not just true athletics now. There's a layer of performance now, which is exactly. an, an extra ask, right? You're like, look, I'm kicking. What do you want from me? Exactly. <laughs> I'm this like, is I'm what I do. It. Am I yeah. not getting judged? Well, how many points did I get? <laughs> exactly. Totally. What? 14 hours? I'm usually done in an hour. Exactly. Like, I'm like, I don't get this, but. (laughs) And then for a while, like, it was just like, okay, kicking and this, it was just figuring it out. And I I realized I need to educate myself a lot more. So, you know, 
you meet people and there's like such like film people are in, in the stunt community. There's such lovely people in there. So you always find good people and, and you start to educate and learn, but still the whole going from fighting and competition as a sport to fighting on camera was just, it was a concept that just was really difficult for me to understand. Like, I just don't get it. And I, I don't have the joy for it. Right. Yeah. Like, it, that spark wasn't there for me. And yeah, I mean, it's a bit it, manufactured, right? Yeah. Like it was just, I'm always a very, cre- I'm not creative, but I would say passionate person that I look for things that I enjoy and that make me, bring me joy and make me happy. Or there's a spark or that's cool and creative or unique, but film on camera, just even though everybody says your bread and butter, it wasn't the thing that said, okay, this is the path that I'm going to take for me. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, it's funny when people, especially North Americans, right? Like the job has to be everything. Like if your job is not giving you seven different kinds of joy, purpose, and meaning, you're doing something wrong. But it's funny. Like I have friends in Europe and it's, they just have a job. Like they yes. go to work and they're done and then they have their life when they get home. Like they're like, that's my job. And I get paid for it. And then I come yeah. home and have my life. But we don't do that here. It has to lift like seven things for you at work all day or you've <laughs> yeah. quote failed, you know, like such an interesting yeah. uh, difference between identifying as your career, you know? Yeah. But I would say film, you definitely become like, it's hard for people to, you know, um, shed that skin when they get home, right? Like film, because just the sheer hours that you're on set, like. Yeah, it does drain you, (laughs) for sure. Yeah, right? And I I will, I want to ask you that too. Like, you know, I want to break down a stunt as well. I would love for us to do that. Just sort of like, you know, from the beginning of when, you know, and we can use different ones that you've worked on so many different shows, like all the hero shows, of course, because, or superhero shows, I should say, um, because of stunts, right? So Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, Batwoman, The Flash, like, um, but also some siren in there where you probably met. I would love to get into that too with the free sure. driving and a little bit of that passion that kind of came a little bit later for you, right? Yeah. But but sort of like when you, like I would just love for you to tell me how, how it starts. Like if there's there's a stunt in a script and they reach out to you, do you audition for it or you just ask to do it? Or like how does that work? Generally, this, your stunt coordinator and your fight coordinator, so the stunt department, um, they break down the script where all the action is. And then based on that character, or who the actor is, that's when they need to find a double to ma- a good double to match that actor. Right. And so based on that, then based on what the action is, they go through the list of people who has those skills that can do the best job for them, regardless if it's a wire job, driving, fighting. Like right. you kind of based on what the action is, there is, you know, we all come with specialties. And so mm-hmm. that's where your the stunt coordinator will decide. Um, who's the best fit for to perform that stunt. And so that's when you get called to see if you're available and then they set the rehearsal up and then we go from there. Okay. And so then you're just going into rehearse in studio. How, how long yeah. out before it would happen? Um, well, as you know, like the CW world is con- It's We're on episodic. I know. Um, it's schedule. rapid. So, so it's a fast turnaround. So probably a week out or maybe even a couple of days and depends how pressed we are for time. It could be right. like we get a pre-call and then we have to either build a small fight before our calls and then actually perform it that day. So it, it's constantly changing. And it's so it's, yeah. So for people that don't think about that, it's super choreographed and planned, right? So when they're rolling camera, you know, you've already practiced it a whole bunch. Absolutely. Like, I mean, the number one goal is to make sure that it's safe, safe for the stunt performance, safe for our actors and overall the crew. So 
if we can accomplish that, then that's, that's a success. And, and so that stunt department, like I would love to talk about the wires too, because that is a whole world in and of itself. Like if anyone goes and looks at your reel online, like you're just flying around like a maniac with these wires and it looks so violent and aggressive. <laughs> it's just like, cool. it does. It looks, it looks amazing. Like, you know, and it looks so real. Um, and, and the wire work, like, tell me about that because you obviously started not doing wire work and would have advanced into that. Right. Yeah. So like when I said like, you know, just backtracking a little bit, I said like, it wasn't the fight stuff that kind of like had that spark for me. It was actually the day on set, I was there watching a different other performer do a wire gag. And that's the thing that like instantly, you know, lit up. And I was like, oh my goodness, now stunts isn't just about falling and fighting. There's so many other areas that I can evolve into. And that's kind of when I made the choice of like, okay, let me, let me learn about the other things. And right. You're a bit more hooked. Absolutely. And that's when it was like, okay, that's the pivot point that, yeah, I am, no wonder I'm like number six on the list and nobody's calling me because I still suck, you know? <laughs> and so you learn about the other areas and you, you start to train and start to figure out like, okay, I need to get better in this area and that area and build that resume so that mm-hmm. the more diverse you are, the more valued you are to the community. And that's when you know, ultimately the phone calls will start coming in, right? So when you're, so tell me about, let's talk about these wire, these wire stunts. Like, and for people, and let's just explain it to people that absolutely have no clue. So, you know, like just break it down, how it works. Um, Well, for one, there's an amazing team always in place. Um, The stunt department has their rigors and it's all planned of what the action is and how does, how do we envision this action or the flight to be? Our riggers and our coordinators and coordinator will always work together to go, okay, this is the illusion that we're trying to accomplish. Like, is it mm-hmm. gonna is it a blast? Like a lot of times, you know, the superheroes are blasting each other. So how do we want that flight to be? And so that's discussed. And then the riggers are they have, you know, a gr- amazing team. And I can't say enough about them because they really don't get the credit that they deserve because they pull off such cool gags and literally keep us always safe. Yeah. <laughs> literally, like. You see us flying around, but we're really like, you know, they're, it's the, they're the magic team that make us safe and make that action possible. So, yeah, it's like, a, it's like physics meets acrobatics, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they're, so they're literally pulling on those wires yeah. so that you're not smashing against the wall. Like there must be a, such a like tender technique to that. Um, it's better. I mean, Depending what it is, if it's a descender, it's a drop, and we dial that in. But everything is obviously dialed in. Um, we have ratchets, we have winches, and so these different machines operate different ways, but that help us accomplish um, that flight that we want to see on camera. And for a lot of these superhero ones, like I, I was watching some other stunt woman, and she was in Wonder Woman, and and with you know covered Kate Beckinsale and stuff. But what she was basically saying is like women don't get to wear all this padding in a lot of these costumes. Like men can, you know, they have these armor suits on in some of these characters. Um, but like for Wonder Woman and stuff, there's there's like a short little skirt and like these lace up boots. Like there's nowhere to hide stuff, you know, to be able to pad yourself for some of these stunts, right? Yeah. No, we. You have to get creative of where you put them, but ultimately, like, it comes with a job. I mean, there's, you know, if that's our costume and that's what it is, we just, it's, it's part of it. So, unfortunately. So remember, yeah, I know. Just one more layer, one more layer, event that women are carrying around. Um, <laughs> so, do you remember your first Wire, like, experience? Like, what that was like? What show was it? Do you remember? Um, 
My very first ratchet was on a show called 12 Monkeys with the coordinator out in Toronto. And was that based on the film, 12 Monkeys? I think so, yeah. It was the series? The series, yeah. Short-lived, right? I was only on it one or two days. Like, I I didn't. It was one of my earlier days. But yeah, it was a good one, smashing into a wall. And you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but ouch, that hurts. (laughs) Did it hurt? Does it hurt? It does. I mean, when, you know, when you're just getting ratcheted into a wall, like, yeah. You, even though you have back pad, but your brain still shakes. And it's a job where we get being uncomfortable and being paid is part of, or being in pain is part of the job. Right. And, and just the, and do you get that? Do you get like an adrenaline hit? You must. Oh, for sure. Like it kicks in. It's like just about like you're ready to perform and you're going for this ride, but. Yeah. I wonder if, is it a little addictive sometimes? It is. I, I have to admit that, you know, with this whole COVID thing, you know, it really, slowed down the amount of action and I miss being on a wire and I miss, you yeah. Know, the most thing that I miss is um, Arrow was kind of my home base show and that's where we were always doing such heavy action. So there was descenders, ratchets. And so I was always getting that wire experience. And so mm-hmm. just working with such a great team that, you know. That was such a big show for the city. It was. I mean, there was so much action in it that. End of an I mean, era when it was done, you know. When yeah. was that done? Last year? Twenty nineteen, yeah, yeah, that was a big one because it kind of saw through, you know, the the peak of Vancouver film, right? Like, Arrow was one of the first before all yeah. these other ones showed up, you know, for sure, yeah, and yeah, and Supergirl and Batwoman and uh, and then Siren. Tell me about Siren because obviously, I think that's where more of the water stuff came in, right? It did. Um, it was kind of how I I only was part of the pilot, um, and then at, once they got picked up, I was living on Arrow on the other side of the studio, but. Yeah, people forget these are all beside each other, right? Like, yeah. you look over the fence and there's like another show over there. Yeah, for sure. And so sometimes you always hear what's going on. But um, the pilot was kind of my first experience to the water world. And I figured if I had time off, we always as performers want to develop our skills. So I was like, okay, well, what else can I develop? And at that time, that's how I kind of crossed paths with Roberta for her courses of breath hold and cold water. And then met her there and started doing some water training. And then when Siren came, it was, I was put into the, the first pilot mermaid tail and tested that out. And prosthetic what was that works. like? It was really interesting. Cause another first, right? Like you yeah. still, it's funny. You still get firsts, you know, you probably don't foresee that you're like, okay, I'm going to do stunts, but then it's like, oh wow, this is brand new. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the beauties about our industry is that it's never the same. Like yeah. It's not like an office job show up from nine to five and do the same mm-hmm. tasks. It's constantly changing, constantly evolving. And I think, I think that's what makes it so wonderful. Yeah. That's why people get addicted and they can't get out. <laughs> yeah. Like my husband always jokes like, oh, I'll go get a normal job. I'm like, you, you could never <laughs> no. do a normal job. No. Like I love you to death, but what are you going to go sell insurance for eight hours a day? Yeah. Like, no. We'd all, we'd all, we're all dysfunctional some ways and we're all, <laughs> we all become squirrely some shape or form. Like, yeah, it's, it's got a certain like archetype, right? Like for sure. film people are a certain archetype for sure. If you meet enough of them, you see it. We're a right? special breed. <laughs> well, yeah, he always jokes we're all a bunch of like circus rejects or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's, it's funny you say that, but like the amount of work and dedication and hours to be in film, you're underselling yourself. Like it's actually really, really hard, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really draining job. Uh, so it's definitely not, you know, he always jokes about it, but it's like, dude, I could never work that many hours. A day. That's why I just do a podcast about it instead. 
<laughs> you live vicariously through us. <laughs> yeah, I just do my hour. And I'm like, peace, I'm done. Yeah. You know, it's fine. Um, yeah, so sirens so so different being underwater, right? And do people, there's no wires underwater, right? It's not that kind of world. Well, siren wasn't, but interesting you mentioned that there was some wire work on Batwoman, on Batwoman's pilot. So, so I'll start with this. dog is that? I hear oh, a dog. Oh, that's my dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you getting are you getting broken into? Are we going to have a real life stunt situation here? I no. did not I did not manufacture this everyone. No, this is not. It's, it's probably an Amazon package or something. <laughs> <laughs> he just hates anybody that This that would have been such good like view listening pleasure if we had like a situation go down here. No. Oh man. Um sorry, so back to Siren. Yeah. Yeah, so like it was just the first time of the pilot figuring out the prosthetic tail and it was the first time that I ever like did a full body prosthetic and you know the Right the wig is sewn to your scalp and you got full face prosthetic hands, the tail, like it was a a full thing to like get into that Mm -hmm. originally when it was planned and then working in chlorinated water and everybody forgets you can't see in water. And then they're like, all right, Mm -hmm. try and do these. It was, it's a very challenging environment to work in, but by far it was one of my favorites that I said, Oh, like water is just like so cool. And I just find it's, it's one of those things that I, like I kind of would like to learn and grow more into into that world. Yeah, exactly. It's like a whole, like you say, it's a whole other dimension to dealing with stunts, you know? Oh, for sure. And I mean, you have to, and your mindset for that, right? Because you're right, you're not just going underwater. You have to, and Roberta had spoken to this too, like you're playing a role. You know, you've got a costume on, and you actually have to portray emotions or actions that are required for the camera and also not drown, you know? Not, well, not just that, but I mean, people always forget that you can't, talk underwater so communication becomes that much more difficult mm-hmm. and you it's very difficult to see so you can't hit your marks and then you're floating or sinking so within that frame you kind of have to figure out where you are in this tank where you don't really know where you are spatially so it you're faced with so much more challenges but i mean I guess that's the beauty of it, right? <laughs> that's what yeah. makes it water, right? Do you ever find yourself pulling on your athletic skills, like in terms of your mindset and talking yourself through things? Oh, like for sure. Like, feel like, oh man, this is like being on the mat and not competition. Um, definitely the mental toughness, the psyche of, you know, what I took away from sport, I use it in performing or that focus of, okay, muscle memory or how to ride the wire, where my marks are. Like all of that has transitioned completely out of sport into mm-hmm. my career. But yeah, um, but it's, it's been an amazing journey. And one of my favorite, favorite days was, like you mentioned, wires and underwater, which doesn't come up often. It's, it doesn't, yeah, it's, it's very not, specific. it's very specific and it's not often not written into scripts just because water is so much more challenging and more expensive mm-hmm. to work in. Yeah, unless but, it's required for the script. You're right. Exactly. Um, which but, siren was. I mean, there was so much of it, right? Yeah. Like, it was nice that they got picked up, so we had a water show in town. Yeah. Which, yeah. It, I know. It kept Roberta happy for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Braden. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Everybody, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. When a show ends, you know, like, you never see it coming often either, right? Like, you, you're only as good as your last season, and you're waiting for that pickup. And then yeah. sometimes it's like it's not getting picked up. Like, I think Supergirl's in the last season now, right? Yes. So that'll be done in the spring. Well, I guess it's pff, what's time right now. Anyway, what's yeah. spring? What does that mean yeah. with COVID? Everything's out the window, right? Yeah. But yeah, that one's wrapping up too. So some big ones have actually completed, you know? 
Um, but then obviously new ones come, and who knows what they'll be. Have you ever been like, have you ever been scared during a stunt or like a, a close call? Um, I mean, there has it can been go a badly few. so quickly, right? It can, but I mean, it's not being scared. It's just more like I think, because I still consider myself fairly green or new into the industry because there's just our community is so entrenched with so many talented individuals that, that have like paved the path for up and coming or newer performers like myself. So that going into an area that I'm not experienced in or definitely is just, you know, the nerves do kick in still. Like it's Mm -hmm. like, and just, you know, I think the best thing that I've ever done in this industry is just be honest about where my skill sets are and communicated that to, if to my boss and just say like, Hey, like this is not my area or I'm not very comfortable with this. Like I don't have the experience and, and having that honest conversation and, and then from there, and they can decide if, if I am or, or I'm not the right person for the job. But at least I will never put myself in a position that, you know, is A, unsafe, and two, I'm going to do a poor job for my boss. Like, that's the last thing I would want to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, when it's go time, there's no point in overselling yourself. No. There's nowhere yeah. to hide, right? No, you can't hide it. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> when you're the one on the wire coming down a building, it's like, oh, Maybe I shouldn't have said I could do this. <laughs> no, because at the end of the day, everyone's watching. Like, last thing you want is to, like, shit the bed, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I know how, like, you know, if it's a stunt night, um, like, it's everything's kind of crafted around that, right? So you've got, like, your special effects, right? Like, if there's explosions and lighting, like, it's all leading up to this moment and doing this big stunt, right? Because you don't do a big stunt every night, would you? Or depending no. on the show? it's like No, kind it of, all depends on the show. And- yeah, yeah, it, it it really all depends. Sometimes we're just sometimes we're there for safety because there's a crowd scene and we're next to fire, so we get uh, ND stunt performers. You could be doubling. Like there's so mm-hmm. there's such a wide range that, but ultimately it comes down to safety. Like we want to yeah. make sure that everything is done safely and I guess achieving the action that we want in a safe manner. So yeah, and I mean looking at your reel, it's pretty. I, I the one that really caught me was the one where there's a bunch of you and you're coming down on a wire from like the top of a building. It might be towards yeah. the end of your reel. Yeah. What is that one? So that's Arrow, our last season. Yeah. Um, it was, I believe, the canary episode where the three canaries are jumping off the roof. And oh, I remember that one so clearly because it was it was such a heavy episode that we're such so crammed for time and it was like after rehearsing a fight, we'd go out into the parking lot and our riggers and our stunt coordinator had set it, set it up and we had all these descenders and this full team and it's pissing rain and yeah. we're in our rain gear and, and it's cold. And it, I, it was, I believe, don't forget the rain, right? <laughs> oh, I know. Like just pissing rain and, and it's cold. And I think it was November and it was windy and we're all just at the end of the hours. Like, I don't know what stupid hour it was. Yeah. Like, we're going on. 10, 12, I don't even know how many hours it was. And all right, let's hook us up. And we're like going, pulling us up and bringing us down. And I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a cool gag to do because it was like, I believe like a a hundred foot descender. Like they don't come up often at all. Right. And so it's when you have those opportunities to have, to perform one of these stunts and in your lifetime, like it, it's really special. Like it's cool to be part of part of that, to be able to do that and be given that opportunity. So 
Yeah, and it's funny when you see it. When you see it, you don't notice any of that. You just see the glory, right? Like when I watch it, I'm like, "Whoa!" Like you know, I don't know. You're freezing. It's raining. I don't even know where. Where? What building was that? Where was that? Like a block away from VFS. Which is hilarious, right? You, it, yeah. it, it never has to be anything half the time. It's like, oh, it's just somewhere on the lot. We found this uh, yeah. <laughs> building. And uh, like, does it really matter when you're coming down the wire like that? You guys have to go check out the reel, and then you'll know what I'm talking about at the end. But um, yeah, that was super cool. That one definitely, I was like, wow. That's like, a yeah. P, that's like it, those P&E rides where they let you go, and you just go flying across the thing. For sure. But it was so cool to just be up there like with three other ladies, and one of them was my sister, and just such good performers. So it's like... Just to go, okay, girls, like, let's like pull us up and, and these massive explosions. And yeah. We're going th- through the fire and you, you feel the heat going through there. And yeah, it just timing. There's so many elements to it, but yeah. it, it was such a cool gig to be a part of. Yeah, it would be. I know. And you're probably a little sore after those, right? Like, you know, all um, that wire work, does it ever, it must, it must kind of yank on you. Yeah, you do feel it. Like definitely if you're getting smashed into something in the pole, like you... You do feel it in your neck and your shoulders, your back. So it's always good to be in shape. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not in shape. I could never do this job. I just watch it instead. So where, okay. do you, where do you see your career kind of going? Like, you know, you say you're early on, but you do have quite a bit under your belt already. Um, you know, are you happy with how it's going and where you are? I am. I'm, I'm happy of, you know, the, the people that I'm surrounded by, the teams that I work with. Uh, the learning is still evolving. Like it never has come to an end. It's just, I still feel like I have so much more to grow and learn. And, and part of that is like, I'd like to eventually move into a little bit more of stunt coordinating, but I mm-hmm. think I, it's still a, quite a ways away, but I'm trying to learn and trying to better myself and just become a better value member to the community. Like, I think it's, it just never ends. Like yeah, well, it's so interesting. Much more. You treat it so much as like service, right? Like you don't always hear that from people in film, right? Like, and maybe that's from your athletic background as well of wanting to perform, you know, physically to the best of your ability because a lot of people don't frame it that way. And it's not a negative. I just mean they treat it, it's a job and they want to move up or whatever. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I think if you, you have to remember, like you can't, you can't climb up without knowing what it's like to be at the bottom. So yeah, that's a I good mean, point. That's yeah, good for like, people to hear, actually, in film generally, right? I think so. I think it's for everybody. Like, I mean, you have to just have an appreciation for the lowest person at the bottom because then you, you kind of understand where they're coming from and everybody's perspective. And, you know, you can't lead a team without... I always relate it back to sport, which is like, it's difficult to coach if you've never been in the ring and kicked in the face. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, and how many coaches haven't played ever? Do we know this? I mean, like, I'm not saying they're... I wouldn't say they're, you know, it doesn't make them a good coach, but I think you emotionally and physically, mentally, you just have a better understanding because you've been in that their shoes once before. So yeah. that's where I still feel like I still have a lot to grow and learn and, and just learn from my senior members in the community. So that's kind of just where I am currently at and just riding this amazing roller coaster. Yeah, that's such an interesting analogy with sport and, and coaching. You're right, you know. And, and it, it also plays back to film of like, you can always tell the people that were PAs, you know, no matter how high they are, because, you know, they, they know how to treat them and they understand yeah. what that role was. And then there's people that roll up and, you know, did five minutes and it's obvious, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Because, I mean, a PA is basically the front lines, you know, and obviously in stunts, you're not going to be a PA, but um, that's sort of the lowest 
rung on the ladder and set. And it's so interesting to see the, yeah, just to see that dynamic of PAs and like other, you know, other yeah, departments. And I think it's just treating everybody with, you know, professionalism, respect. And, you know, I, I'm a firm believer of you have to earn respect, then demand it. So yeah. the more value you are and more understanding you have and more compassion and knowledge, the better team you're going to run in for longevity of your career, right? So many sports analogies with the team, right? <laughs> it's my main career. Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. It's, it's, it's a first. It's a first, Yvette, because you're the first sort of athlete that switched to film. And I love it. That's why I love meeting all of you guys, because it's always a different journey going through these, right? And yeah, it's just a different take each and every time. And, and, the, and the, the lens of being an athlete is just, it's awesome to be able to transpose that on top of this, on top of film and, and how you're performing in film, right? And quite a physical role in film that you're doing. So yeah, I love it. You. So thank you. Um, thank you. It's always a new thing to learn, right? And I hope everybody else gets that as well from listening, that it isn't the same every time. And, you know, you don't need to, to get there a certain way. And some people, to your point, just kind of fall into it, you know? Literally. Yeah, everybody, that's the beauty of it is just like, there's so many paths and so many individuals that like you can, the talent pool just is endless just because they all come from different walks of life and everybody brings something to the table. So Mm -hmm. we're always just kind of learning from each other and everybody puts whatever they know forward. And it's just a really cool, cool group of individuals in our community. So of circus rejects. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Oh, God. Never going to live that one down. Um, So what's next for you in the new year? Obviously, everyone's kind of wrapped now, right? And I think um, a lot of shows aren't back till, oh, like first or second week of January because I think also American talent has to quarantine when they come back again, right? Yeah. So, I mean, every show has, they're on a bit of a different schedule, but generally we, the two weeks we get off and then um, I right now, just with the whole COVID situation, I've kind of, I'm kind of bouncing between Batwoman and Flash. So just wherever. Just bouncing between two massive superhero shows. <laughs> no. You know, when, I, just, when I'm not busy, I just do that. No. No, it's just wherever the action is. Like some days it's, you know. That should be your slogan, wherever the action is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wherever, you know, something comes up. And so I'm just going to take the time off during Christmas and just with the family and then and then just chill chill and relax and then just go back to work I you know there's we have a really exciting season on Batwoman there's some really cool stuff there and yeah and it's season two now right and new new lead did you work on season one uh I did yes you did so interesting it's quite a I don't I mean I haven't heard a lot yet but I think quite a different it's just going to be a different world now Batwoman two different world season two absolutely um it's a, just because it's just the different storyline has changed a little bit, but right, um, almost a fresh start. It's almost like a season one point five. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's it's not. Well, I mean, it is a. I don't know if I want to say it's a continuation, but you can almost treat it like a new series, right? I think so. I mean, it's just a different character, and um, but that doesn't mean we don't have really cool action coming up. So I yeah, always yeah. There's it's. Still the same um, stunt team on there, but we're always trying to evolve. Like one of the things that the beauty of our department is that we could constantly be as creative and push the limits to um, the action. So we're always trying to evolve and come up with something different or new or right. So it's not always dictated to you. You can come with stuff. 
No, we, I mean, that's the beauty of concepting. We have concept days of different options to the action and then it's just whatever gets approved. But, um, right. but no, yeah, there's some really cool stuff coming up. So I'm excited. Um, the lead double on that show, she's got to do some really cool gags on that show that I'm like, I'm so proud of her and she's just had such a great opportunity to excel on that show. So there's some really cool stuff. Oh, I'm excited. That's all I can say, I think. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, you don't want to give anything away. I know, I know how this works. Um, and so that one probably wraps, I mean, I guess COVID's changed things, but, um, you know, ideally like this, like late spring sort of thing is the idea, right? Yeah, I believe, I think we might be done, I think May, mid-May? Yeah, yeah. And everybody goes and wanders off and has hiatus. Um, tries to I don't know how far we can wander, but. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. There won't be much wandering this time. Yeah, because a lot of people, well, some people go and fill their hiatus with work, which I just think is obscene, but whatever works. You yeah, know. whatever, you know, wherever people choose to do. And, but there's always, there's always something. There's the what, one thing with film, there's, there's always going to be something shooting. So You're right. Yeah, you can probably work as much as you want in film. And you can just start jumping in the water in May. Yes, yes. Right? I'm very excited for Living that. on the coast. Your possibilities are endless for you. I know, yeah. Well, We're well, awesome. lucky. We are very lucky, I know. I agree. Living on the coast. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. I think this well, is super you. helpful. You're my first kind of stunt person. Um, oh, thanks. Which is great. Something new, right? Um, yeah. And best of luck for next year. I can't thank wait you so to much. see. I'm going to have to actually um, watch one of the episodes because I have not watched any Batwoman. It's bad. All this stuff's filmed here, but you never watch any, including the, the crew doesn't watch it half the time. Like, they don't even know. What these shows look yeah, like in the end. I mean, for some people, it's just, you know, we go, we do our jobs and, you know, we leave, we leave it for the audience. You must want to see some of the stuff though after. Do you watch it? Our action, yeah. We watch, we'll like kind of like watch, well, because we read the scripts and then so we know the storyline. But then when we have some downtime, we will watch it. Like I personally will try and watch it, but we kind of focus primarily on how our stunts got edited into the show and how it got delivered. So yeah, good point. That's kind of where our department is. And also that I would say that's also a, like a parallel to sport, right? Where you might watch your stuff after to learn from it. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best for the holidays and stay safe and uh, yeah, have a great new year. Yeah, likewise. Thank, thank you. you. If you want to learn more about my podcast, you can go to vantropolispodcast.com or you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also leave me a review on iTunes, subscribe, or share it with someone you love. Or don't love. Just share it. <laughs>